our campuses to week one of our brand new series entitled Vertical. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us, those that are joining us online as well, wherever you're joining from. We are honored to have you today. I want to begin a new series. I want to talk to you about the benefits of gratitude, the benefits of gratitude. You know, it's interesting when people go work uh, at a company, one of the things that they'll often do is they'll ask this question. It comes to this moment when they find out, you know, what are they going to do and what their job assignment would be, whether they've applied or however it is that they came about. And one of the questions they'll ask, here it is, well, what are the benefits? Maybe you've asked that recently. Maybe you've been in a job interview situation and you've looked at what your assignment would be and your role would be, and it comes to that moment. It's like, what are the benefits? How much health insurance? What about a 401k? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about the fact that the concept of Thanksgiving, that there's benefits in it? Every year during this time of the year, the fourth Thursday of November, Americans gather around and we celebrate Thanksgiving. It is a national holiday for us. Of course, it goes all the way back to our forefathers, the pilgrims that gave God thanks on one of those first Thanksgiving, those moments where they've come through the winter and the harvest. And it's so amazing that that this is going to be a beautiful time where where we can say thanks. By the way, I want to say to everyone, those of you that are gathering with family and friends, and I know there's a lot of people in town, a lot of people out of town, really all the holiday week, but this particular week, Thanksgiving week, I want to encourage you, before you eat the meal, just sit around if you're with your family and friends, and to give God thanks. And, and maybe one thing that you're grateful for, this is one of the times of the year that Jennifer and I particularly enjoy. Matter of fact, we're excited. Uh, we'll have our daughter coming in from California, and uh, she's in graduate school out there. And how, how many of y'all love when family comes together? Come on, anybody love that? Just a great time. I was able to shake some hands last night after our Saturday service and standing in the Fort Art Little Creek campus and just seeing some families already that are in town. So I want, we are praying. Let me tell you what Jennifer and I pray. We are praying that this is a richly rewarding and warm time for you. Maybe some repairing of some relationships, some gratitude. Hey, listen, toward, yes, God, vertically speaking towards God, but also gratitude towards those around you. Everybody say Thanksgiving. You know, the word gratitude is a term that we often use analogous with Thanksgiving. There is an attitude of gratitude. Now, now an attitude is an interesting thing. Pastor, what is an attitude? Let me give you a definition. An attitude, here it is. The concept of attitude is how you view life. In other words, the lens through which you see life. Two people can be brought up in the same home. Two people can work in the same company. Two people can be sitting next to one another in church. And the way in which they see life can be so different. There can be two people that go through the same circumstance, and yet how one sees it versus the other sees it. In other words, somebody that has a healthy attitude, an attitude of gratitude, they have a tendency to focus on what they have versus what they don't have. There's a really unique contribution that attitude plays into, watch this, those that enjoy success, good relationship, healthy esteem. For those that focus on what they don't have, life always seems a little bit more empty. Question, 
What has your attitude been lately? Have you focused more on what you have versus what you don't have? More on what things are not going well? Matter of fact, a healthy attitude is transformative in our lives. An attitude of gratitude. That means my attitude is seeing life Godward. Matter of fact, I love the scripture. I love the Apostle Paul. I love the Old Testament, the New Testament. I love the Gospels. But I, but I do love Paul's writing to the churches because there's so many times he talks about gratitude. Matter of fact, Colossians chapter 3, talking about living Godward, thanking God, honoring God. Since you've been raised with Christ, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts. Where's your heart set? Where's your mindset set? Is it set on loss? Is it set on disappointment? These are the realities of life, yes. No, nobody denies the reality that life is filled at times with loss and disappointment. But where is your mindset set? Is it set on heaven? Is it set in a vertical way on what we do have or what we don't have? Since you then have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seating, seated at the right hand of God. Attitude is an interesting thing. And by the way, I want to say this. Just because you become a Christian, your attitude is not immediately changed. I think that's important to note. Matter of fact, sometimes, sometimes we have to go through some pretty tough circumstances to have an attitude, even adjustment. To go, wait a minute, time out. I'm seeing life wrong. Reminds me of a story of a guy that got a parrot. Those of you that have had parrots, you know the concept is, right? You can actually teach parrots to say words and and, and so this guy, had a, he was all excited. He brought this parrot into a wonderful home. It was a warm home, a wonderful nurturing relationship that he had with this parrot. The problem is that the parrot had a cussing problem and a bad attitude. <laughs> he got it. He brought this parrot into the home, and he thought he was going to retrain this parrot. And so he would, say, he would say nice words to the parrot. And so the, the parrot would just, he would say a bad, rude word and a cuss word back. And so, so finally he got so frustrated, he, he began to yell at the parrot. And the parrot, you know what the parrot did? The parrot would yell back. He shook the parrot. He thought, I'll just shake this parrot. And the, and, and the, and the parrot just kind of cussed more and had a worse attitude. Finally, he got so frustrated with his parrot, he took the parrot. And yes, he did. He opened the refrigerator door, actually the freezer. And he just said, boom, just take that. And all of a sudden, he heard this squawking and just going back and all this stuff. And then boom, total silence. He thought, oh, my gosh, I killed my parrot. And he opened the freezer door and he looked at the parrot. And the parrot was just standing just like this. And the guy goes, are you okay? He goes, I seem to have offended you, kind sir. Please, I beg your forgiveness. The guy goes, oh my gosh, what's happened? And he says, will you forgive me? Yes, I'll forgive you. What took place? He goes, before I tell you my response, can I ask you, kind sir, what happened to the turkey? Listen. I hope we don't have to go through negative circumstances to have an attitude change. Everybody say attitude of gratitude. I, I believe our attitudes are so important. Hey, you guys remember, maybe your grandma or your grandfather, they, they, they used to talk to you about this. Maybe they used to say this to you, count your blessings. How many have ever had a family member say, don't forget to count your blessings? Anybody in here? Rachel? Matter of fact, those of, you, those of you that maybe grew up in church years ago, there used to be a hymn. Do you guys remember that? Count your blessings. You remember that? One by what? One. 
count your blessings. I, I wonder what would happen on the inside of us if every day we got up and counted our blessings one by one. Back to the Apostle Paul. Paul, I love the Apostle Paul. It, it dawned on me probably a couple years ago how many times in the epistles. You know what the epistles are? The epistles are not the wives of the apostles, by the way. I thought I just, that was funny. I don't know why y'all, you got to loosen up. The, the epistles actually are letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, the church at Philippi, the church at Colossae. And, and you know what's amazing? So many times when he write this letter, in the very beginning, watch this, in the very beginning, he would thank God for the church. You know why? The apostle Paul. Way before that hymn, count your blessings one by one. He was the originator of counting your blessings one by one. Watch this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We give thanks. There it is. What would happen? What would happen if we did this every day? By the way, there are benefits to gratitude. We give thanks. Everybody say, we give thanks. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of your love for all the saints, there are so many studies now coming out, secular studies, matter of fact, that talk about the benefits of gratitude. One I was reading recently by Baylor University talked about the amazing physiological and psychological benefits that take place inside of us, inside of our bodies, inside of our minds when we're grateful. Matter of fact, I was reading one and it said gratitude reduces stress. Matter of fact, did you know that science actually proves that just a smile, if you just choose to smile, it affects your outlook. You can say that by somebody even walking by you. If somebody walks by you and they're not smiling, you tend to protect yourself. Isn't that right? But if they're smiling, you tend to open up and brighten up your soul. Why? Because the gratitude and happiness and the interfacing with people, it improves relationships, it improves our physical health, our mental health. Gratitude. Pastor Steve, what are the benefits of gratitude? There's a lot. Now, today I want to do something. I want to talk to you about a story, a very powerful, powerful story in the Bible. And it's a parable. It's so amazing. And it's, and it's Jesus talking about the benefits of gratitude. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. The Gospel of Luke. I trust this will be something that you guys will maybe even talk about this week at Thanksgiving. It's a very, very powerful teaching on gratitude. Luke, chapter 17, verse 11. I'm actually going to read verse 11 through 19, a little bit more than I usually read, but I want to give you the whole context here. Here's what the scripture says. Now it happened as he, that Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria to Galilee, that as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men, this is very important, 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, very important, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned 
and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him, everybody say it, thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? Time out. Where's the other nine? Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? That's going to be really big. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. In Bible times, there was no disease that was more frowned upon than leprosy. It was incurable. It was a physical disease of the skin. And as a matter of fact, it would eat your skin. It was, it was such, a, such a, let me say this, it was such a horrific disease that when somebody came down with leprosy, they actually had to take them out of their village or their community and place them in what would be called in Bible times a leper colony. There was no cure for this. And so people were looked upon not only the physical ailment, but there was also a social, a social ostracizing. They were, they, were, they were alienated. They were affected mentally. They were affected emotionally. They were affected physically. Matter of fact, it was such a big deal. The Bible talks about leprosy was seen as spiritual impurity, emotional impurity, and physical impurity. Jesus was coming from Galilee, which is in the northern region of Israel, and he was passing. He was going to Jerusalem, and if you pass through Jerusalem, you actually have to go through a place called Samaria. Pastor, where did Samaria come from? Where did Samaritans come from? I've taught about this for years. In 722 B.C., Assyria, Assyria, modern day where Syria would be, it's, it was called in Bible times Assyria, when they invaded the northern part of Israel, they, inter, they intermarried with Jewish people and they became Samaritans. By the way, about four or five years ago, there's, there's only five, this is really interesting, there's only 500 living pure Samaritans. One of the top newscasters, she was a woman, very powerful, amazing, talented lady uh, in Israel. She's a Samaritan. And so Jesus had to pass through Samaritans. The problem was is that Jewish people didn't talk to Samaritans at all. Remember John chapter 4, the woman at the well? That, that, in Samaria, Jewish people didn't interface. They didn't dialogue. And so Jesus, they passed through very quickly. And here it is. Jesus is coming from the Galilean region, and he's coming down to Jerusalem, and he's passing through Samaria. And he comes upon some lepers. And the reality is there's an interface and an interchange that, that has a powerful story for us today. By the way, interesting trivia some of you may know this, some of you may not. There were leper colonies in the United States. The most famous one and the longest running leper colony, it went from 1874 to 1999. For those of you that may not know this, in the United States, it was actually just south of Baton Rouge in Carville, Louisiana. Of course, we know we now have... We have cures for that, but, but, but just think about it. People were quarantined. There were five people in New Orleans in 1874 that came down with leprosy. And in the nighttime, they actually put them on a boat and they brought them to Carville, Louisiana. You got to read about it. It's fascinating. So even 100 years ago, even 100 years ago, 
The fear, because it was so contagious, leprosy. And Jesus comes upon this group. Let me give you three things from this. Number one, the cry. The cry. It's here on this desolate terrain. Jesus encounters these banished lepers. Where else could they go? The Jews didn't want them. Neither did the Samaritans. Verse 12, watch this. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Why did they stand afar off? They couldn't interface. They couldn't intermingle with people that didn't have leprosy. They stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. Jesus. They heard about Jesus. They heard about the miracle worker. The one that heals the one that restores. And they thought, maybe this is our last chance. Now, they couldn't come up to him because not only was he a Jew that, that didn't interface with Samaritans, but, but he didn't have leprosy, and they did. And so what did they do? They, they, they came, and they, they stood afar off, and, and, they, and they yelled out, Jesus, have mercy upon us. It's interesting. I was captured by that word they that word this week, they stood afar off. I had a lady tell me one time, she goes, Pastor Steve, every single room that I walk into, every single room, I feel defective. She goes, people will come up to me, I'm embarrassed, I lack confidence, I don't communicate well with people. And she says, I just, I just, I feel like there's just something fundamentally just wrong with me. Maybe her past, maybe something that took place in her present, some trauma that took place in her life. And, and she goes, I just, I just, I position myself just, just one step back from people. Wow. That's where these lepers were. They, 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 they could lift their voice, but, but they, were, they were positioned just one step back. Maybe, maybe that's where you are today. Maybe because of something that happened in your life, something that's happened in your relationship. Maybe you go to a small group and, and everybody seems like they have a great marriage, but your marriage is not where it needs to be. And there's, you know how the enemy is, man. He just specializes, just dumping shame on you, making you feel like you're the only one and you're the only one that has challenges. And so it just, watch what it does. Shame and, and, and that, self, that lack makes you just, it just makes you just take a step back, doesn't it, sometimes? That's where these lepers were. But they did have a voice, and they did cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. Emotionally, physically, and spiritually, they were sick. But they saw, they saw a solution. Number two, the command. So, what will Jesus do? He hears their cry. He hears their cry. By the way, somebody asked me one time, Pastor Steve, in prayer, when does God, like, how often do you have to say something before God actually hears it? I want to tell everybody, every one of our locations, the very first time you lift up your voice, can I tell you something? God doesn't have a hearing problem. He hears your cry. God, God's not so busy. It's just like, I had a friend of mine. He's got seven kids. He goes, man, I tell you, sometimes in the house, man, I just, I have to, like, position myself. I mean, you know, God's got a lot more than seven kids, and he can answer. He hears everybody's prayer, and he can answer everybody's request simultaneously. Everybody's request. Oh, he heard their prayer all right. He, he heard their cry. 
Listen to what he says. Now, I will admit to you, it's a little bit of a different response. Here's what he says. He turns around, he looks at these guys, says, go show yourselves to the priests. At first, you might think Jesus is being a little bit insensitive, kind of putting these guys off. It's kind of like when somebody asks you a question you really don't want to answer, you kind of give them a different answer. You think, wait, wait, like, did they not forget? I mean, like, I want to be cleansed. I want to be healed. We heard about him doing miracles up in Capernaum. We heard about the Sermon on the Mount, the powerful teaching. We heard about the Galilee and the storm and all that. We heard about that. Like, we need healing. We don't want to go show yourself. What what is that about? Well, there was, there was a lot in that. I'm going to explain it in a moment. Sometimes, I want to just encourage everybody, sometimes God will answer a prayer not the way that you thought, but he's still answering your prayer. Just go with him. Just obey and do what he says. Here's what he says. Go show yourselves to the priest. Those of you that know the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 14, watch this, that lepers, when they ever did experience healing through some miracle or some sort of a thing that took place, they actually had to go show themselves to a priest. And the priest would deem them cleansed, which would allow them to reintegrate physically, watch this, emotionally and socially back into the population. Remember, leprosy was a highly contagious disease. Which means that Jesus, watch this, Jesus already watched. He already knew exactly the outcome. He was actually, they didn't realize it. They didn't know the scripture. They should have, but they didn't know the scripture. And he was actually telling them the foregone conclusion. You're already healed, but you got to go do something to walk it out. How many times we want miracles in our lives, we're praying for the supernatural, and God tells us to do something, and yet we're like, time out. I need a miracle. I I don't want to go show myself to the priest. And we don't realize that it's in going, showing ourselves. It's actually obeying God that the miracle begins to manifest. We forget that. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. So all the guys have a little discussion there. Can you imagine? Ten lepers. The first guy looks at the other guy and he goes, well, that's a miracle worker. I mean, should we do what he says? I'm not sure. He goes, well, I mean, what do we have to lose? He goes, all right, well, who's going to go first? Where's the priest? He's right over there. He's right outside of town. And, and so, so who's going to go? Are, y- are y'all going to go? Joe, you look bad. Matter of fact, you're looking worse every month. And so we, what, what, what do we have to lose? By the way, I want to just tell you guys something. What do you have to lose to obey God? Why not? Everybody say, Why not? why not how bad does life have to actually get before you turn to God I mean in other words I am amazed by the level the threshold of pain that some people have that's like how bad does your how hopeless I mean how do you like go past hopelessness you don't have to go there just do what he says All right, here it is. Watch this. You guys ready? Here it is. First step, still nothing changed. They're looking at their skin. Let's just keep going. The guy's over there, the priest. Next step, don't miss this. Next step, nothing changed. Again, we want instant, right? Because we want, we want, we want instant, we have, we want instant microwave. Instant coffee. Well, we don't want instant coffee. That's not true. That's that's demonic. But anyway, we want life to happen quick. Okay, I got to change the analogy on that one. All right, here we go. Here it is, here it is. Third step. Joe, look at your arm. Something's changing. 
Fourth step. Whoa, it's changing on me too. Fifth step. Something. Oh my gosh. As they went, they were healed. And they finally get to the priest, and the priest goes, Wow, you guys are good. Go back to your family. How many of y'all grateful for the power of God? Come on, are y'all good? Isn't that powerful? All right, all right, all right. Now, hold on, hold on. Let me say a couple things. This is important. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Sometimes we get so trapped in what I would call religious passivity. And I believe this passage really flies in the face of that. Some people think that trusting God means that we simply don't do anything. I don't think that's what it means. Lord, I need you to do a miracle, all right? Lord, I need you to help me financially, all right? Well, God's also going to say, go through that door. Go through that job opportunity. In other words, God, Lord, I need you to heal that relationship, all right? Wait, time out. God may tell you to go ask for forgiveness. In other words, we, we, sometimes, we, sometimes are, we sometimes are wanting something without our participation. And can I tell you something? That's not how it works. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. God has the power, but we've got to participate. If your name is Noah and God told you it's going to flood, it's not time to pray for an ark. Go build one. Boy, that was good preaching. Did y'all get that just now? That was like, it just... Hey, by the way, if your name's David, and you're looking at a big obstacle called Goliath, and you pray for a miracle, don't just stand there and let Goliath... You know what God's going to tell you to do? Pick up some stones. In other words, God's going to do the miracle, but you've got to participate in this miracle. You, you got to participate. All right, now watch the last one. This will shock you. Watch this last one. The cry, the command. Now watch the comeback. Look at verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face. At whose feet? Jesus' feet. He came back, giving him thanks. Giving him what? Say it. Thanks. And he was a, everybody say it, Samaritan. Ten were healed. Only one came back. Ten were healed. Only one came back. Luke tells us just one leper fell on his face before Jesus. I think it's important here to note most theologians believe the other nine were Jews. One Samaritan came back. Now the Jewish lepers were actually banished to the Samaritan leper colony. The reason why this is important, the reason why I think that God actually put this in here is because those that actually should have known, the Jewish people, they didn't give thanks. I mean, the Jews, I mean, they had the right religion. They had the right belief system. I mean, they knew exactly who Jesus was. They should, have, they should have given thanks. But it's actually just the opposite. They didn't give thanks, but the Samaritan. They lived in the wrong place. They were from the wrong race. They had, the wrong, they had everything wrong, right, according to Jewish law and custom. And yet, he's the guy that said thanks. I think there's a message for us. Sometimes those that, sometimes those should give thanks don't give thanks. And those that you wouldn't think give thanks 
do give thanks. Sometimes in our life, and I know what some of you guys think, what are you talking about, Pastor Steve? Let me tell you something. We live in the United States of America, and according to world standards, every single one of us should be grateful that we have clothes on our body, that we can get food on the table. How many of y'all grateful for that? Come on. Are y'all grateful for that? We should give thanks. Everybody say, give thanks. Yeah. Only one. Only one. How many times do we focus on what we don't have versus what we do have? Count your blessings one by one. Now watch this. Watch how this closes. Remember I talked about benefits? What's the benefits package? What's the benefits? Living a vertical life when we're grateful to God. And by the way, not only grateful to God, that's the starting point, but grateful to others, to a coach, to a teacher, to a mom, to a dad, to an uncle, to a brother. It actually does something in us. Watch this. So one comes back and he goes, hey, guys, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going. We're going back to our family. We're going to go do our thing. We're going to. Hey, we're healed. This is amazing. We're healed. And he goes, should we, shouldn't we go, go give, should we go give that guy thanks? You know, I've been a pastor 23 years here at Church of the King, and I gotta tell you, one of the saddest things I can see is when somebody, they'll come to church, their life is busted, their life is broken, maybe they're going through a divorce, bankruptcy, you got a, something with a child, something, and God come, they come and they press in, their pain pushes them to God, which is wonderful. But then God starts doing a miracle, and God starts healing them, and they get restored, and maybe a new relationship, and God pulls them out of the miry clay, and then God starts blessing them and prospering them, and God starts doing something, and then they start getting disconnected. Matter of fact, the very thing God did for them, the very blessing of God on their life, and, and they've, they've now, they've now, they've now, they're not around as much. They were here when they were hurting, but they left when they were healed. Don't let that ever be the witness about us. Now watch this. Watch this. And he comes and Jesus goes, don't miss this. He goes, your faith, your faith. Pull that up. Your faith has made you what? It's made you what? Say it. Okay, the Greek word well, don't miss this, is the Greek word, the, Greek, the English word well, the Greek word, the context is, it means sozo. The actual word in English, well, is the Greek word sozo. Everybody say sozo. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. It means healing, preservation. So in other words, emotional healing, mental healing, physical healing, protection. In other words, in other words, nine, listen, when we live with an attitude of gratitude, nine got physical healing, but only one got mental and emotional and physical healing. How many of y'all grateful? There's benefits. In my life, I, I uh, as a kind of a type A personality, and not kind of, I'm sorry, I was trying to kind of make myself a little bit different, but no, as A, or Ann, um, I, I, have a, I have a real tendency to forget. Now, I'll be honest, I, I move quick, I like to accomplish things, and, and it's my design, but boy, even... I have to make sure to pause, and boy, I can, because I have goals and objectives, and, and when, I, when things don't happen the way I want, how I want, when I want, I can get frustrated. Boy, I really have to slow my soul down and pause, 
and count my blessings one by one. Yeah, God, thank you. Thank you, God. And by the way, with people around me, with people around me, yeah. Something happens on the inside of us. I want to say this this week as you gather with your family and friends. Yes, we want to thank God. We want to thank God. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. We want to thank God for salvation. We want to thank God for his presence and his joy in our life. But let's also thank one another. Thank one another for being committed to one another. Thank one another for how they've stood. Maybe you got to text an old coach this week or an, a, a teacher or somebody in your life. Maybe an old employer that gave you a chance. Just tell them thank you. I, uh, I, I can't, I'm kind of telling on myself here, okay? About th- two, two weeks ago, I texted a friend. I said, man, I just want to thank you for your friendship. And he goes, is everything okay? <laughs> okay, okay. For him to respond that way, you know what that told me? I'm not saying that enough. Yeah. Those of you that are married, thank you so much. Thank your spouse. Who it is? Let me do it. There's benefits. Now, we thank God and we thank others. I want to encourage you as well. Those of you last year, I think I talked about a gratitude journal. It simply makes a note. The blessings that we have. The blessings that we have. So I'll conclude with this. What type of person are we? We can grow in this. We want to focus on more of what we have than what we don't have. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I just sense the presence of the Lord. It's a wonderful spirit, all of our locations. I can just sense God's presence. Matter of fact, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if if you don't know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I don't think there's a better day, a better weekend, a better Sunday. This is the day. God loves you so much. God's not mad at you. He brought you here today to hear how much he loves you. And here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My question is, do you know Christ? Do you know today if you've trusted Christ as your Savior? Are you ready to stand before God? In just a moment, I'm going to ask for a show of hands at all of our locations. If you say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. I can't save you, my friend. Church of the King can't save you. I tell you who can. His name is Jesus. I can point to the one who saves. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know that you're right with God, that you're at peace with God? The count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands right where you are. Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. I'm going to pray for it. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Anybody else? God bless you, sir, right there. That's awesome. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody? God bless you, buddy. God brought you here today. God bless you as well. God bless you way at the top. God bless you right there. God loves you. He cares about you. Anybody else? Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Can we do that? This is such a this is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. And let's pray this with them right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. 
Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Congratulations to those who have made the decision to follow Christ. Now, this is the best decision that you will ever make, and we are so proud of you. The Bible says that you are a new creation, free from guilt and shame of your past. Now, this is just the first step of your new life with Christ, but let's take another step by telling someone about the decision that you made today. Yeah, and if you're watching live, we have a host that's there with you in the chat room ready to talk with you and to help you walk out this new life with Christ. Otherwise, you can text DECISION to 822-822, and we'd love to just send you some resources and celebrate with you. Uh, once again, we just want to say congratulations if that's you today. Well, anyways, next week we're going to be kicking off week two of our Vertical uh, Living a Godward Life series. We love you guys. We'll be here same time. Same place. Have a great week.